Amen. God's good. Turn to James chapter 2. Um, and just remember, there is a uh, coupon in your bulletin for our fireworks tent. It's actually, you get 50% off, but you get another 10% off today. And uh, if you don't buy fireworks, um, find somebody who does and give it to them and have them come to them, uh, come to us. Actually, find your neighbor and have them buy fireworks so you can watch them set it off. Okay? Amen? That's what I do, right? Amen. James chapter 2. You know, we're in the book of James, and James, you know, starts out real nice, right? He starts out, hey, take joy in trials. And then we talk about, you know, he's talking about take joy in trials and temptation. And then he starts, he starts confronting a little bit. Last week, if you weren't here last week, you've got to go online and listen to my wife's message on, um, on judgment. And that it was an awesome message about we all have judgment. I've been, I've been as I'm going down, down the road, I'm thinking... Man, I, I, I've counted how many times, man, I've went into judgment of other people. And it's such a bad thing that's in our, in, in our lives that we need to get out. It's not of God. You know, God doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need my opinion, especially about other people. He's called me to love. It doesn't mean we don't confront, our, confront people that we have a relationship with, right? But um, we judge a lot. And uh, so I want to encourage you to get that. So he starts, he starts confronting the church here in James. And it's really kind of a, if you kind of think about it, I know this is a letter that he wrote, but if it was in the church service, it's really a sticky tension that's going on here, right? I mean, now in James chapter 2, verse 14, and we're going to get into it next week also in James chapter 3, but, uh, I mean, he, he starts talking about some things here, and it's really kind of rough. And so I want you to understand something. Don't get in judgment today, okay? Because a lot of times what we do when we, when we hear messages that may confront some issues or um, the way we live, we always think about somebody else that needs to hear this, right? Am I right? Man, that person needs to hear it. I mean, the person next to me really needs to hear it. I hope they're listening, right? And um, no, think about you, okay? Remember that. You know, because um, here is James, and he's talking about, really, how to be a Christian in the book of James. And, of course, we know that's throughout the Bible, but James is really showing some things here in the church. And remember, this church is persecuted. This church is going through trials and temptations. It's not easy, but here, here James is saying, listen, there's, some, there's also some issues we need to deal with here. And so one of the things I, I see in, especially here in America, I see two extremes of Christians. Um, there's a Christian that is so far removed from the world that they're kind of in a spiritual bubble. Um, they hold themselves away from the lost and away from people who don't know the Lord. They, um, they intentionally don't hang out with unbelievers, you know, um, and they almost are in judgment to unbelievers. Um, be, uh, maybe because they're afraid of uh, they're going to do what they're, gonna, they're doing. I don't know. But these Christians, they don't, they, their light is under the table. Um, they're not a light to the world. It's under a table. It's not on, on, on top. They're, uh, they tend to be very religious. Um, their God is morality. And so what, it, what I mean by that is that they're all about works. They're all about if, you don't, if you're not doing this exactly, you're, you're, you're wrong. So there's a lot of judgment coming out on them. So they focus on the to-dos of of Christianity more than Jesus himself. And, uh, and so they're kind of a real religious folk. They say one thing and do another sometimes, and so that's, that's them. And then there's the other part of Christianity 
um, that is so assimilated sometimes in this world that uh, they don't look any different, you know. Um, and they could be these people who talk about grace and all the time, but they don't do anything either. And they tend to be um, really a little bit selfish. In fact, I think both sides get a little bit selfish. So they speak about justification, they speak about salvation, but they have they hardly ever talk about sanctification. And sanctification is really the work of Christ in us and not our work. But sanctification also demands our surrendering. And so many of these Christians call themselves gospel people or Christ-centered grace people, but the way they live daily the, um, uh, doesn't really line up to the gospel. Now, I don't mean that they're in major sin. I don't mean in the morality sense that they're sleeping with somebody else or they're drinking and getting drunk and doing drugs. I'm not talking about that, but they're just not living as love as Christ would have them live. And so there's a lot of couple extremes that we see in in, uh, in Christianity, and a lot of times some of those things kind of end up in us. Maybe we're not on those extremes, but maybe sometimes that we hide ourselves and we don't, we don't, we don't be that light and we are judgmental to the lost and, and uh, we focus on the to-do. So we're trying to do works. We think the more we work, the better God loves us, and that's not true either, right? And so or you may be that, those ones that, you know, you're all about grace and I can do whatever I want, and that's not the way... Uh, scripture teaches that's not what jesus did and that's not what he died for you to do and maybe you're one that is you know you know you're all about yourself in a lot of ways and i see that in a lot of christian circles remember um some of these things slip into us where we become selfish and we're not about the mission of god right and so um we learn from jesus jesus is our example right and anything we do we have to have a view through the son of god any type of scripture, anything has to be viewed through Jesus. And Jesus was full of grace and power, yet he never took his eyes off the Father God and on his mission. Jesus didn't allow the world to get him off task. He wasn't actually even moved by need. He was moved by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't moved by even what people thought of him or, or asked him to do. He was only moved by the Lord. In fact, in the longest prayer ever recorded in Luke, I mean, excuse me, John chapter 17, verse 4, he says this, I glorify you on earth, talking about his father, I glorify you, father, on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And see, Jesus knew exactly what he needed to do, and he stayed on that mission. And so here in James chapter 2, verse 14, let's start reading here, and let's look at what James is going to talk about, really a lot of these extremes that were going on then that are definitely going on now in our society. And James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can, faith, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister without clothes or, and daily food, if one of, of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accomplished by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Believe, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. That's not really not nice talk right here. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless. 
Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on their altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now this is kind of a difficult topic because we know that we aren't saved by our works. Not even good works can save us at all. We are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ alone. And so when Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. There's nothing that we can do and add to the work of salvation. You can't make God love you more, right? He already loves you. He already poured out his love for you. So it's not about salvation. That's not what James is talking about here, about the works here. So, But when you see that salvation... Uh, doesn't come because of works, but it doesn't mean salvation doesn't come void of good works for us to walk in. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance uh, for us to do. You see, justification is not just a pardon. It's not just a pardon that says, Your debt has been paid. Go your way. Do whatever you want. You're forgiven. No, it's, it's, it's yes, it's you're forgiven. But now you have the power and the opportunity to come in life in the kingdom of God and live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. There's works in there. There's things to do. There's, there's someone to be and to become. And that's what, what grace does to us. It makes us able to be like Jesus, right? To do what Jesus did and to be like him. So I want to break down James chapter 14 through uh, verse 20 today. And I want to see there's two different kinds of faith that, that uh, are not true faith that James talks about. So let's look at number one. You can, you can follow along with the notes that you have in your bulletin. It, number one, it's a dead faith. There's a dead faith he's talking about. And James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, it sounds to me that James is questioning their faith. He is. He is questioning their faith. He's questioning, are you a believer? He's talking to the church here um, that's been scattered and going through a lot of stuff. And he's saying, hmm, those who, who don't do these things, he's questioning them. And it's a great question to ask, right? So he says, if someone says he has faith but does not have works... Can that faith save him? It's a, it's a real important question to ask because it's about eternity. So it's not a bad question here because salvation is real. It's real important. He says, can a faith voided from works save us? And now God through James lays out kind of a few scenarios here in verse 15. Look at this. He says, if a, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and, and, and one of you says to them, go in peace, Basically, God bless you. Don't worry. You know, when God closed the door, as, I, as I'm about ready to do on you, you know, he'll open another one, you know. And so, and so James is saying here, you know, here, if one of you says, go in peace, but does nothing, um, I, and there's something wrong with them. You see, the problem with religious people 
um, is that they say a lot, but they don't do a lot. They don't do squat. You know, I had a, had a friend of mine, he, um, he, uh, he was uh, on Facebook a number of years ago. And usually I don't really confront on Facebook. I'll, I'll t- call him or I'll say something to him on the messenger. But I, at that time I did confront a few things. And, uh, and he was saying about a certain subject that was pretty relevant. He says, if all the Christians would just do this, um, um, then it would be taken care of. And so I called him on it. I said, so when are you going to do that? And he says, well, right now it's not, I don't feel led. I said, well, you, you jerk. Anyway, um, you know, it's like, okay, if you're going to confront, and I see it all the time on Facebook, by the way. So remember, if you are going to confront something in the body of Christ or in this world, make sure you're doing it first. Amen? Make sure you're living it. And uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. None of us are perfect in this work. You understand that? James is talking to us here, right? James is talking to us. And so um, he's, he, he basically is saying, listen, if, you, if, you, if someone comes to your door and they need a meal, uh, you need to cook it. Go to your pantry and cook it for them. They need clothes on their back, you give it to them. I mean, you give them, and, and uh, you need to do that. And, then, and he says, so if a brother and sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and without giving them things they needed for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Do you know what dead things do? Nothing. So let's kind of bring this around. This is why he's questioning their faith. Now look at me. If you are a believer and you have been changed, it will show outwardly. You will have compassion. Because faith that is dead, does nothing. That's what he's saying. So remember the context. You know, James was talking about how the rich were not doing so well with the poor. They were, they were you know, doing so. So you had, you had really a lot of extremes. We, we, we have poor today, but they weren't as poor as, now we do have those who were poor as those were back then. But a lot here in America that say they're poor, man, if you've got a house to live in, you're not poor. Right? If you got food on the table, you're not poor. I mean, I don't know how much food. You may not have steak and filet mignon, right? But you're not poor. If you're living in the trash can, you're poor. Some of these were lost their homes. And so they were apparently, maybe, I would guess, coming up to the door of these more well-to-do people who had homes. Said, I need help. Can you help me? And a lot of, I know a lot of things go through people's mind. When we help the poor, this is what goes through our mind. Are they going to be responsible? Are they going to, are, are they going to help? You know, are, are, they, are, they, are they just, just begging? You know? and, so, and some of them are legitimate questions, questions, but he doesn't give that to you. So don't go there. He says a brother and sister is hurting. You help them, Right? And so and he's, he's coming against a, an idea that they, weren't, they just weren't doing it. And he's saying, basically, how can you be saved? How can you be a Christian and not care? How can you be saved and not do something if someone's at your door? And that's what, that's what he's saying. How can you do that? How can you not care? So Because there's, there's something that changes on the inside of you. Because dead faith is lip service. 
It's void of a living sacrifice. Dead faith is professing faith. You actually can't practice practice because you because you you may profess it. You may say, I'm I'm this Christian, I'm this great Christian, but you don't possess anything. And that's what he's saying here. You're not possessing what God has given us. It's dead faith. And I think God wants us to really search our heart in that. And as believers, we should be excited about the opportunity to minister, to love, to show the love of God, to to do something for God. We should be excited about that. We should be looking at ways to be obedient to the Word and do what the Holy Spirit says in our heart. And perhaps some of us, you know, we've had examples of dead faith. You know, maybe you grew up and you decided, man, I don't want to be like that person. Because they, they didn't do anything. They said one thing and did another. Maybe you grew around people, maybe in your own family, that professed, professed to be a Christian, but they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do anything. He says, wow, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want anything to do with it. Maybe you inherited some dead faith in that way, and you think, oh, that's what Christianity is about? No. People that cared more about themselves than anyone else is dead faith. And that's inherently not Christian. That's what he's saying here. And, but it's typical religion, right? Lazy, lukewarm, lifeless, and loveless. Maybe um, a dead faith could be, maybe you become very theological in your faith. There's nothing wrong about being theological, though. But if that's all you have, there's something wrong. And here's the problem with that, that people who tend to be theological, philosophical, Philosophical, <laughs> I can't say it. You get it. Anyway, <laughs> don't judge me. Anyway, um, you know, it's not enough for us to know what's right and wrong. It's not en- enough to know um, Jesus even if it doesn't come outside of us. You know, and a lot of times we get to that place I, and we get very prideful. And you realize, you know, that, hey, you know, I I know this, I know this, I know this, but you don't really do it. You can know it all the time. I've had many people come up to me um, that said, when I preach something, I've heard that before. So I said, okay, great. So how are you, how are you uh, putting that to practice? And some will say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I said, man, that's awesome. That's great. A lot say, don't say anything else. And without realizing some things when you're theological and you, get, you, always, you know all this stuff about Jesus and about, about the Word, you get very boastful about it, and, but you're being idle a lot of times. A lot, a lot of religious people in Jesus' time, that's why He came against, because they were idle. They weren't doing what they knew. And we live in a culture that values comfort over sacrifice. Right? That values comfort over sacrifice. You've got to be careful not to take the gospel message of trusting and resting in Jesus and just being this Christian here in America and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ and not do something about the people who may not go in that return. Now, James is saying that if you're like that person, you may not go in that return. So Jesus says, he who abide, Jesus said this, he who abides in me will bear much fruit. What or who do we abide in is in him. 
and it's him. And when we abide, we become like him and we do his, his will. So he says in verse 17, so faith by itself, um, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And, and, and he's saying, listen, you have to have that. What comes on the inside must come out of you. We need to have works. And so verse 18 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. But and here's God's response in this. Show me your faith apart from your works. and I will show you my faith by my works. And those who defend works have have a tendency to try to earn uh, their salvation through what they do. um, And they're devoted to that. And they think the more they work, the harder they 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 the better that Christ will love them, the better they deserve to be in a place in heaven. And that's not true either. Those who defend those things are, are doing that. Works people believe God owes them. Works people tend to live to prove God that they are worthy to be loved by Him. And see, religion is all about self. And when we become all about self, and, and James is saying that's not right either. But there's a combination of that. I, 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 I have something that's changed on the inside and it flows out of me. It's not just by works. It's also by faith. And on the other hand, there's these people of faith and grace, and they want to rest, and they don't, but they don't want to do nothing. They just want to relax and enjoy the ride, and, and maybe they may do something, and that's not right either. But Jesus did all of the work of salvation for us, yes, but there's something that we do, that we give away what we have, and, and that if Jesus is the king of your life, and James is saying there's something that's going to be produced out of it. It's not just works. It is faith which works by love. And something's going to come and transform you. And then verse 19, look what he says here. You believe that God is one, you do well. In other words, you believe that God is good, congratulations. But he says the demons also believe that and shudder. The demons believe that that God is God is one. They they the demons know about Jesus. The demons know about Jesus. Well, good. So the second faith is a faith that is not in love. And so verse 19 so if if it's no different than the demons. So you say you believe in God, but there's no works, there's no transformation, there's no change on the outside, there's no going and doing the will of God. He says, well, so what you believe in God, in God? So what you know Jesus? So do the demons. The demons even know Him. You may have good of, uh, of theology, you may have that, but the demons even have that. They have good theology. Did you know that? Look what the demons said th- to Jesus. It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it says, And he, Jesus, would not prevent the demons to speak because they knew him. In Luke 4, 33, And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Many people couldn't say that. They don't know that. The problem is, is that a faith that is not in love. Faith without works is dead if there is no love. You won't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't have passion for Jesus. And a lot of times, it's not just about, it's, it's not just about a faith that is dead. It's a, a faith that doesn't have love in it that brings life. Faith works by love. 
And so a lot of times we, get, we can get focused on doing and doing and doing, but we don't know love. We can get focused on knowing, knowing Him in the Scriptures and, the, and our theology, but we don't have love. We don't love God, and so we don't love others. You don't have passion for Him. That faith isn't going to become alive. No wonder some non-Christians think we're hypocrites because we, for, for, we profess to have this faith to be a believer, this faith to be a child of God, but, but they're witnessing in our life that our affections aren't there that the desires of our heart aren't there, and we have little to do with loving people. James is saying, no, that's not what it's all about. You have good theology, you have the, but you also have to have a love for Jesus. But he's saying even the demons believe in Jesus. See, a belief in Jesus like the demons have, is, is you have information, but you lack transformation. That's why, you know, I talked about at the very beginning that James goes back to the Sermon on the Mount quite a bit. And that's what he's doing here, Matthew 7. There will be many in those days that say, Lord, Lord, have I not done the works? But Jesus said, I never knew you. So there's this balance of love. See, the demons knew Jesus, but they didn't surrender to Jesus. And they'll never have eternity with Jesus. And what James is trying to get, get here is that you believe in God, but do you love him enough where it transforms you, where it changes you? I worked in a, um, um, I was with youth with a mission for years, and we did campaign ministry. And I can spit out numbers like crazy about how many people got saved, um, one year, we saw over 300,000 people make decisions for Christ. But what frustrated me more than ever is it ended there. And that's why our vision here, and we're going to talk about our vision sometime in, in August or September, is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. It's not for you just to make a decision. That's the start, yeah. But um, it's more than that. It's more than that. So we were averaging, just like Billy Graham does on his crusades, 3% that probably were becoming what the Bible would really call a believer, a disciple, a Christian. So James is dealing with these people. says, you know that even the demons know. Even the demons know. But is there transformation? Because if there's transformation, the work becomes easy. It actually becomes automatic. Where you, the thinking of helping someone, you, it's like Jesus. When you looked over the crowd of people in Matthew 9, into Matthew 9, and he found compassion for them. And it, he moved in it. Thank God for that. See, thank God for that. Is that if I really believe and I really trust in Jesus, and I place my life and my trust, my security in Him, I'm going to surrender everything. And that's what James is talking about here to the church. He's saying, faith without works is dead. It's unique faith. You need that love. 
That trust in the Lord. But if that's there, it's going to produce action in our life. It's going to produce action in the church. So church, true faith always leads you to action. Jesus did all the work of salvation. It's not about Jesus loving you more. It's about the transformation he's talking about. Are you really transformed? And so James is talking to them, and he is asking, he's doubting their salvation. He is. But it also could be he's doubting maybe you've allowed something in your life that's stopping that. From you really producing good works that God intended from the beginning of time. So, if you really believe, if you really trust Jesus more than anything, there's going to be transformation. I want transformation. I'm not there yet, you know that? I mean, I want more. I, 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 I want I want to fall in the, the only thing I can say that can help us is to fall in love with Jesus more and more every day. Where I tell you all the time that everything that you get from God comes from heaven to you to change you, to transform you, but to move out of you. That's in every part of your life, spiritually, relationally, financially, every part of your life. I don't want to hold anything in. I, want to, I, want, I don't want to be lazy in doing some things. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to do His Word. I want to serve. Because, you know, it has to be a transformation. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I don't always feel like it. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I don't want to answer my phone when someone's hurting is calling me. Sometimes by faith, you know, faith is not some spiritual force that, that is just like the force you see on Star Wars. You know that, right? Faith works by love. And I pick up my phone. And I speak for over an hour and a half. I lay down my life. I may not feel like it, but love is also not a feeling, Right? Love is a choice. So when someone comes knocking at your door, hey, I need something. I'm, I'm hurting. You had just cooked dinner and it's all gone. What, what does love do? Cook more dinner. That's right. You open your pantry up and say, come on. That's just good preaching right there, right? That's not easy. I'm telling you what. You know what? Let me tell you something. This is Confession of a Pastor. I have a series. I've told you this before. I just haven't been led to do it. The Confessions of a Pastor. Um, and I, I'll do that one day. Um, but um, this is my confession. Is that every time I preach something, I am challenged in it. I, trust me. Going out of here today, my, my son's birthday, I got a, he's a teenager today, he's 13 years old. Yeah, amen. And um, 
And so we'll take him out to eat. But I'm going to go down. He wants to go get, get a shirt or something like that. And so we're going to go down. We'll, we'll be um, somewhere. And I know I'm going to be tested. I want to pass that test. I want to pass that test. The test of love. See, listen. Works is not works. Works is a test of love. Do you love God and do you love others? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm very proud of you. I see that. I feel like sometimes I preach to the choir in here. And I know we're not perfect. Don't you judge people because you can see other people. We're not perfect. None of us are, right? But I think we're heading, we're, we're, we're at least trying. And I think that's what James is trying to get to the church that's been scattered. I know you're doing, some of you are doing pretty well. You've gone through a lot. But he's saying, we need to work on this. Some of you are terrible. You need change. That's what he's saying. Right? Some of you are really, some of you, I'll just say this, you're really bad at that. Right? Some of you are really good at it. But you're bad in something else. And you need to work on that love issue, right? So the best way for us to change this is to fall in love with Jesus and let him lead us. Right? He's everything. And that's what I want our church to be like. Is to love people no matter what. Amen? Amen. Minister Jesus to them. Bow your heads.